Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us online today as we worship the Lord and dig into this text. We're going to talk about God in Psalm 46. We're going to see him in a few different ways. And as we begin to talk about this, I know most of us are living in this time of great uncertainty, uh, completely unpredictable circumstances, uh, financially, professionally, relationally, even spiritually, just a lot of unknown. We just want to recognize that as we come into God's word today, as we've been praying and and contemplating on, on words through song, we want to invite you to dig into Psalm 46 with us. Uh, because we started off by having these three wonderful in-person services and also online, and then things change, and we have uh, new directions that we have to follow. And so we're looking at outdoor options so we can gather in person in the near future, but until then, we're so glad we get to see you and you see us online as we worship together. And as we soak in Psalm 46, what a great word for us in the midst of all the unknowns of life, right? I think this is going to be a word for us today. Verse 1 reminds us by saying this, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We need to hear that word because God is that refuge we need to lean into. Verse 7 says something similar to that. Verse 7, the psalmist says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We say God is our our strength, God is our refuge, God is our fortress. And so this psalm of confidence, I don't want you to mistake it for some kind of naive praising of God. This psalmist knew trouble, knew complications, knew what it was like to live amidst uncertainty. The writer knew these troubles and trials, and they were close at hand. They were right at him. In fact, some Bible scholars actually contend that this is happening in the context of the days of King Hezekiah, king of Judah. Keep in mind, in the 8th century BC, there was this massive kingdom, the Assyrian Empire, that was taking over the world and that region. And the Assyrian Empire and its king was ruthlessly dominating everybody and now is knocking at the door of Jerusalem and King Hezekiah. This king of Assyria was ruthless, that he would impale his enemies, he would skin them alive, he would cut off hands and feet, he would gouge out eyes, he and his army was brutal. And here they are now, testing King Hezekiah, testing God's people's faith. This could be the context of Psalm 46. You can imagine King Hezekiah and being terrified, looking out at the Assyrian soldiers, maybe numbering 200,000 right outside the walls of Jerusalem. What would they do? How would they survive? And yet in the midst of seeing this very real trial, this very real threat, Hezekiah, Scripture records, turned to prayer. In fact, we can see the, the documentation of King Hezekiah's challenge with the Assyrian army by looking at 2 Kings chapter 19. We're told that in the middle of the night, the Lord responded to King Hezekiah's prayer and the people's prayer by sending an angel of the Lord 
who came against the brutal Assyrian army ready to pounce on God's people. And in the middle of the night, this angel came and 185,000 of the Assyrian soldiers were killed miraculously, securing Jerusalem a victory that will go down in history. Now, you can imagine as the sun arose and light came, perhaps even the surprised Jerusalem inhabitants, maybe a surprise King Hezekiah, maybe a surprise um, is Isaiah the prophet looking out and seeing the amazing work of Yahweh the Lord, that they have secured a victory through prayer. This deliverance perhaps even turned into a song, and that song being Psalm 46. And whoever this writer was maybe witnessed this great victory and penned these words that we're looking at this morning. It's looking at verse one, God is our refuge and our strength. See, we need to be reminded that in our troubled time that we serve a faithful God. We serve a God who truly is a refuge, who truly is a strength, that even amidst the bad moments that they can have redemptive qualities when God is on our side. We can see redemption happen because of him in our life. Now, the thing we need to be challenged with is to not decide to put our faith in the wrong kind of things. Don't put your faith in the circumstances but put our faith in God. See, because the Bible doesn't promise that we are immune from troublesome circumstances. Following God doesn't mean that troubles evade you. It doesn't mean we are perfectly immune from a virus or immune from economic meltdown, immune from troubles. No. In fact, we should expect them. As followers of the Lord, the Bible promises that we will have trials. And so, these troublesome circumstances shouldn't surprise us. Now, the funny thing is, whenever you ask someone about how they're doing, if you know they're going through some trouble, sometimes someone will answer this way. You ask, how are you doing? You say, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing pretty well. That's a very interesting kind of American idiom, under the circumstances. You could say, given the circumstances, or you could say, you know, considering the circumstances, but a lot of people say, under the circumstances. And I wonder if perhaps we as Christians, thinking about our circumstances in a different way, why would we settle for being under any circumstance? Because we are under the lordship of the king, the king of creation, King Yahweh, King Jesus. We don't need to settle for being under any worldly, earthly circumstances. Yes, they're not removed. Yes, perhaps even we are in the middle of trouble, but oh, we could be under the lordship of the king. We know deep inside that happiness is not determined by circumstances, but how we respond to the circumstances in life. So let's not settle for being under the circumstances. Oh, but in the middle of them, can we see that we can be under the lordship, the safety, the goodness of God our king? So we all know that deep inside that depending on circumstances to determine our security, determine our joy, determine our happiness, determine our peace. No, no, no. You don't want to do that. You want your joy, your peace to be determined on something that's unchanging, being under the protection, under the guardianship, under King Jesus, under the Lord Yahweh. 
Look at the Apostle Paul, for example. He chose to live above the circumstances. Let me give you an example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says this. Now, thanks be to God who always comes to us to triumph in Christ. Paul was always able to authentically give thanks in the middle of really bad circumstances, bad circumstances like jail. Uh, health problems, financial struggles, loneliness, abandonment, slander. It almost sounds like he's gone through COVID-19 with us, right? How did he do this? How did he experience the peace of God? How was he able to give thanks to God in the middle of all of these terrible circumstances? Well, he knew how to live above the circumstances, not under the circumstances. To live above the circumstances, he knew that circumstances did not determine his happiness, but how he responded to them in Christ. He lived above the circumstances by not making idols even out of the good circumstances in his life. He didn't make idols out of when people praised him or when he had good luck with money or when people gave him a lot of praise. He didn't base his joy on the circumstances that were even good because those change. He based it on the unchanging refuge of God, the unchanging joy that comes from living above the circumstances of living under King Jesus. That's beautiful. So let me give you an example. Perhaps you were a good student in school and you're praised for your good grades. Let me say this. What happens if you don't get into the school of your dreams? If you put all of your joy, happiness, peace, into even the good things, what happens if you don't get it? Or perhaps maybe in your life you've been applauded for your physical attributes, your beauty, your, your strength, your athleticism. That wasn't something I, I was used to, but maybe you were. What happens, though, if you become dependent on that praise when you lose those things, when you lose your strength, when you lose your beauty, when you lose your ability to impress? If you put your faith in circumstances that change, then when you lose those things, you'll lose your happiness. You'll lose your peace. But not if you are under King Jesus. Not if you do that. See, let me ask you, what are the good things that we depend on in order to make ourselves feel good about our lives? Could be our appearances, our accomplishments, our status, our comfort. Good things that become ultimate things, we always say. They can become idols that eventually not only distract us, but destroy us. Even good circumstances can become idols. So God says, don't be under any circumstances. Come under my refuge alone. Don't come under bad circumstances Don't come under good circumstances. Come under my shelter, my refuge, my strength. See, Paul's happiness was free from his circumstances. And Psalm 46 will challenge us to make God not good or bad circumstances, to make God our sole refuge. And so now I want to take a look at how God, yes, is our refuge, but also how God is our river. Take a look at verse 4, very interesting verse here. In verse 4 it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Very interesting choice of words. In fact, in verse 3, what we see 
is that it says that though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, it's talking about actually the roaring waters that are threatening the city. And then in verse four, it shifts to this other kind of water that seems to be like a peaceful water, a healing water, a water that brings in gladness into God's people. I think it's very interesting to have this comparison because with the backdrop of the Assyrian army, maybe as they looked out at the 200,000 soldiers ready to storm the city, it looked like a sea of danger, a sea of people, a sea of the enemy, the, the troubled waters of the threat of the Assyrian army. And then it shifts to verse four. It's a speaking of this stream of hope entering the city. Here's an interesting historical fact. Now, back in those days, there was a water supply outside of Jerusalem, and it was outside the city walls prior to the reign of King Hezekiah. So before this king, the water source was outside. But what King Hezekiah did, he saw the rise of the Assyrian army and their strength. And what he did, he took that outside source of water, the Gihon Springs, that bubbled up in the Kidron Valley outside of the city. He redirected the water in anticipation of the Assyrian invasion. And he carved, get this, a 1,777-foot-long tunnel cut through solid rock. Some historians think he did this as quickly as in nine months, that he heard about the Assyrian advance a year ahead, and he prepared for nine months. Some people say it took him four years. We're not sure. But this tunnel cut through stone enabled water to flow safely into the city. So underneath Jerusalem, catch this, was a secret aqueduct providing fresh water to a future besieged city. So I wonder, does this psalmist have this underground river in mind as he speaks of God's faithfulness in verse 4? Does he, is he thinking about this very real storm that was brewing on the outside of his life, but on the inside, he is actually thinking of the rivers of the water of life, of hope that comes through God, his king. He's praying for hope. He's praying for an answer. And what wells up is hope from underneath him, coming from within, just like the very raw water that flowed within the walls of Jerusalem. I wonder if we need that word of hope today. Oh, that there is a, a secret river running underneath you. It's called the Holy Spirit, ready to fill you up and refresh you and give you hope in your time of need. See, we're, we're getting conflicting messages about schools reopening in the fall. All you parents out there, all you kids out there, what's going to happen? Oh, and parents and kids and teachers and administrators, we're all stressed out right now, right? This is a lot of uncertainty for us. We see as we look out at our nation's leadership, divisiveness everywhere we look. Divisiveness. We see also people literally hungry, in our own neighborhoods, people out of work, people struggling. There is uncertainty about security everywhere we look. And yet, we have a God who says, I will be your refuge. I will be your river. 
Trust in me, turn to me, pray to me. You see, our circumstances, our very real circumstances could lead us to live in anxiety and fear. And yet Psalm 46 speaks to us. It says, don't live under your circumstances. See, we're being tested with so much fear in our world. We need to soak in the truths of Psalm 46, that God is our refuge and God is our river, ready to give us hope, ready to meet our needs. So we see God as our refuge. We see God as our river. I want you to see God as our rest. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. It appears that the psalmist is quoting Yahweh. Somehow the psalmist heard from the Lord to share this. Be still and know that I am God. I like how Dallas Willard translates verse 10. Instead of be still, he says, cease striving. It's almost like slow down, rest, stop, be at peace, be still, and know that I am God. See, we're very driven in our modern culture in that Psalm 46 speaks the Lord's words to us very clearly. Be still, cease striving, rest. I like how James Smith says it. He says, the most important aspects of our lives cannot be rushed. We cannot love or think or eat or laugh or pray in a hurry. See, we cannot know God by hurrying our time with him. We're hearing from the Lord here to slow down, to be still. And God says to know that I am God. I don't know if you know this saying, that if Satan can't make you bad, he'll try to make you busy. Oh, isn't that so true? Busyness crams our lives. Pastor Ron Edmondson says, busyness is one of the primary ways the evil one attacks the church. He says, Satan loves to distract churchgoers with the plethora of activity that produces little results in kingdom building. Busy, 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 busy. See, resting in God, being still, means making time for the things that are important. And of course, Psalm 46 is saying, make your number one thing of importance the person of Jesus Christ, of our King, of the Lord Yahweh. See, resting in God means making time for Him. Slowing down, perhaps, to meditate on God's Word. You can take Psalm 46 this week. It's a short psalm. And just rest in it this week. Just take a, a verse a day or just read the whole thing every day and just sit with it and be still and cease striving and slow down and know this truth about God, this truth about our world, and this truth about you. You need to come under him not under your circumstances. You need to find refuge in him. You need to find your rest in him. You need to know him as your river of life flowing into you. Take Psalm 46 this week and just rest in it. Be still, get quiet. Listen to God's word as you meditate and you enjoy God's word. Maybe this week as well, in order to be still, to slow down with the Lord you take time to talk 
with a friend in the Lord, a brother or sister in Christ, and you can share some of your concerns with. Maybe you decide to pray with someone and be still before the Lord and, and, and bring your worries before the Lord and, and even to bring your requests before the Lord, bring your praises, bring your thanksgiving before the Lord, maybe with a friend. See, we all still need that 4 a.m. friend, right? That person you can call in the middle of the night and just say, hey, I need to talk with someone. Someone like that in your life that you can turn to God in prayer with and be still with and, and be silent before the Lord. And maybe you just reach out to someone this week and say, I'm really struggling in Samaria. Can you pray with me? See, God wants you to have people who act like safe harbors, representations of him. We are all little Christ. That's what Christians mean. Little Christ, ambassadors for Christ. Just as God wants to be our refuge, you have Jesus within you. You can be a representation of God's refuge for someone this week. You can be a safe place, a safe harbor. You can be a refuge. You can be a river. God will use you as a conduit of his love. Would you be that for someone this week? See, God wants you to have people in your life that can act like safe harbors in difficult times. You need someone like that, and you need to be someone to do that for. You need to be a safe harbor for someone as well. Once you search your heart and see where the Lord might be directing you to be still before him, but also to be a safe harbor and to help someone else enter into that space as a brother and sister in Christ. I want you to notice what God didn't say in Psalm 46, what the writer of Psalm 46 recorded Yahweh saying. He didn't say, Yahweh wants you to work harder. Yahweh says to be more religious. Yahweh says to get busy with being godly. No, nothing like that. Instead, Yahweh says, be still and know that I am God. Stop fretting with worry about all of these very real circumstances, these things that are out of your control. Be still. See, Jesus is calling us to put our faith in him. This picture you're going to see right now is a, is a picture taken in India of a 12-legged hen. Well, not really. It's a hen. And if you look closely, you will see it's a mother hen with several chicks hiding beneath her, sheltering from a rainstorm. You know, Jesus himself described he has a heart like a mother hen a heart for Jerusalem to shelter underneath his caring and secure wings. Jesus wants to be that for you. The storm to take you in. Would you respond to his invitation to come under his protective wings and to shelter in him? Don't come under your circumstances. Come under the sheltering wings and love of King Jesus. See, when you put your faith in your circumstances, you're not going to experience God as your refuge. You're going to be blocked from experiencing this river of life that he offers. But if you choose to be still before the Lord and you take shelter in him, then you'll know this good God who can truly bring you the rest that you need, the peace that you want, the joy that you long for. Pastor Tim Keller gives a lesson on putting faith in the right things. He says this, that small faith in the right thing is better than great faith in the wrong thing. 
See, imagine you're on a high cliff and you're losing your footing and begin to fall and just beside you is a branch sticking out of the edge of the cliff. It is your only hope and seems more strong that it's strong enough and so can it save you? Well, you don't know. If you're certain the branch can support you, maybe you'll grab for it. But if you have faith that it'll support you, but you never reach out for it, then what good is that? What he said, Tim Keller says this. He says, if instead your mind is filled with doubts and uncertainty that the branch can hold you, but if you still reach out and grab it anyway, you will be saved. Why? It's not the strength of your faith but the object of your faith that saves you. Then he closes by saying this, strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. So what this means is this, as long as you hold on to the strong branch of Jesus, even with weak faith, it'll hold you. It'll hold you. Jesus will hold you. So the question is this, what branch are you putting your faith in? You can have all the faith in the world in a weak branch, and it won't hold you. There's all different examples of weak branches. Could be being busy. Could be the weak branch of thinking you can keep yourself healthy all the time. Could be the weak branch of the illusion of control and predictability. So you don't know when the cancer will hit. You can't predict when a relationship will fade. You never know when the job will end. See, life is fragile. You cannot put your faith in weak branches. Life is so fragile. Don't put your certainty on weak branches. What's the branch you hold on to? Maybe for you, the branch is some kind of addiction that you need help overcoming. You're holding on to it, but it's a weak branch. It won't support you or your life. Where do you find refuge in? Some of us, are, the weak branch we love to hold on to is worry. When we worry about something, it makes us feel in control. Don't hold on to the weak branch. It can't hold you. Corey Ten Boom, famous Christian leader, says this about worry. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry is a weak branch. There's only one strong branch. It's King Jesus. Even with weak faith in a strong branch, it will hold you. Put your faith in the strong branch. Hold on to Jesus, even with your weak faith. Jesus says this, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love that. And then Jesus says in John 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Oh, what a beautiful picture. Jesus says, come to me and you'll find in me also not only rest, but rivers of living water. He's offering himself as the strong branch you need. He's offering himself as the refuge you need. He's offering himself as the river of life that you and I need as the life around us besieges us with uncertainty day after day. Make him your refuge and you'll find his rest. You can't help but read Psalm 46 when you read it this week and you see Jesus time and time again. 
You can't help but read Psalm 46 and get that sense that God is near. Just like Jesus' name was prophesied to be Emmanuel, God with us. Whom else is our refuge and future victory but Jesus? Christ personally promised to be with us to the end of the age. Oh, that's a shelter and refuge you don't want to let go of. Christ personally promised to be with us even as the earth quakes, even as the floods rise. He holds us secure. Don't you see Jesus in Psalm 46? And like that underground stream bringing fresh water to a besieged city, God's grace in Jesus Christ convinces the psalmist that God's people will not only survive the tumult of the nations that it talks about, but thrive in the security of the Lord. How can we not see Jesus in Psalm 46? Especially when he reveals specifically that the Holy Spirit is this means of grace, the one who causes rivers of living water to flow into the believer. Can't you see Jesus in Psalm 46? How can we not see him when we even see the psalmist invoking the very words of Yahweh the Lord saying, be still and know that I am God. There's that phrase again, I am. Makes me think of Jesus in the gospel of John. Echoes of Jesus, the the I am reverberate through this psalm where Jesus reminds us, I think now today, be still and know that I am the bread of life. Be still and know that I am the resurrection of life. Be still and know that I am the good shepherd. Be still and know that I am the way and the truth and the life. Be still and know that I am the light of the world. Be still and know that before Abraham, I am. Be still and know that I am coming back for you. Be still and know that I am am God. Can't you see Jesus in Psalm 46 reaching out to you today, speaking to you, saying, don't let your circumstances determine your joy. Don't be fooled by busyness and accumulation. Don't bow down to anxiety and worry. When you see the nations rage, when you see the earthquakes, when the floods are rising, don't hold on to weak branches, but find refuge in God. Receive his rivers of grace. Know him deeply as you rest in him today. I hope that is a word you can hear from Psalm 46 today. Would you join me in a prayer? Holy Spirit, we are trusting that you are working in people's minds and hearts and in their spirit, even as they're listening right now. Lord, I do pray that whatever is of you that I've said right now, that would be, it would be seared in their hearts and mind. And Lord, I pray that you would remove anything that that isn't of you, that you don't want them to remember. Lord, I pray you would help us to know exactly what we need. Lord, I know there are people listening who need hope, people who are struggling with anxiety, struggling with so much uncertainty. I pray that Psalm 46 would minister to them, not only right now, but throughout the week as as they come before you, Lord, and to sit still with you. I do pray that Psalm 46 would minister them. They would find you as their refuge, their river, their rest. They would find life and hope in you. Oh Lord, may we be a refuge for someone this week as well. Show us, Lord, how to live out this truth. Bring your presence, Lord, with us as we reach out to those in need. Lord, use us to be ambassadors for you. In your name we pray, amen. 
Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.